Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Lord, speaking through Zechariah, says, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit. And in verse 12, he calls them the prisoners of hope. It's almost a contradiction of terms, almost in reality, to really consider it, to pose and posture within the same phrase, prisoner and also hope. Yet that's what the Lord called them, prisoners of hope. That's what I desire to preach to you here this evening for the next little while is prisoners of hope. You know, you don't have to be within a literal facility that has barbed wire around the perimeter of the rabbi and bars that only open whenever they're allowed to in order to be a prisoner. Amen. But regardless of how we may be termed at times prisoners and find ourselves incarcerated in our lives, Amen. In life circumstances or events or even things perhaps that have led us to our own imprisonment. Uh, Christ is calling to us today to be prisoners of hope. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost, we want to talk about that in the next little while. Father, I come to you tonight. I pray, oh Lord, that you have the minister, Lord God, to the people, Lord, that are here this evening. I pray, oh God, let something said that can be of some benefit to somebody under the sound of my voice. I pray, oh Lord, tonight. God, for some purpose and reason, you have brought us, Lord, through, Lord, songs of deliverance and healing the presence of the Lord. God, your spirit was ushered into this place in a moment. God, you have brought us this to the stage, God, for reason, Lord. And I don't want to miss, God, what that reason is. I don't want to miss, God, what that opportunity is. Oh, God, in this moment, Lord, I want to praise you and thank you and glorify your name, Lord, here tonight. God, because it's only by you, Lord Jesus, God, that anything can be done, Lord, in our lives. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen, amen. The church say amen. Amen. Will you clap your hands into the Lord as you're seated? Amen.
the nation of Israel, the Israelite people, had been taken to captivity. They were placed under the thumb and the pressure of a foreign power by the name of Babylon. They had been in this situation for approximately 70 years. They had already, if you want to term it like that, they've done their time. They have served their sentence and their purpose in Babylon. This is a people that the Lord loved. Although you may think prisoners, yes, it is a people that the Lord loved. People that were incarcerated in 70 years worth of bondage. A people that he had chosen. A people that he had called in the Old Testament and in the Psalms. He named that nation of Israel his peculiar treasure. It was one that he had adored and held nigh unto his heart. They are, this nation, these people, they are referred to as both the daughter of Zion and the daughter of Jerusalem in verse number 9 of Zechariah of this same chapter. They are spoken of as both the daughter of Zion and the daughter of Jerusalem. They are referenced in the female gender as daughters, indicating that God had a close relationship or at most at least desired to have a close relationship with the nation of Israel. He would call her daughter an enduring term, if you will, a man to call a nation that, something that he, through his eyes, seen as one that was close or nigh to him. They are the ones that are spoken to in verse 11, and the ones that are spoken to in verse 12. They are the prisoners that the writer writes of. They are more particularly, though, called the prisoners of hope. In addition to being called Israel, we look at other places of Scripture of some terms in which they are called. And outside of being called the daughter of Zion and the daughter of Jerusalem, the first chapter of Lamentation tells us that she, yes, again, using that female gender, yes, she also is known as the city. She is known as the widow. She is called Judah, Zion, she's called Jerusalem, and most importantly for our purposes today, it says in Lamentations 1 and 1 that she that was great among the nations and princess, everybody say princess, princess among the provinces. In other words, this grouping of people that the Lord in Zechariah calls the prisoners of hope, amen, are collectively in the book of Lamentations called the princess. Though they are many together and collectively he calls them the princess, amen, among the provinces. Because although she is a nation that's had her ups and downs, times of being near and times of being far from the Lord and had been in 70 years of bondage, that did not change the fact that that was the Lord's treasure. That was the thing that he loved and that he adored. In Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah isn't telling or calling her princess before 
before she was imprisoned. Amen. He's not calling her princess after her imprisonment. But Jeremiah, by the help of the Lord, is calling that nation whom the Lord loved princess while she was in the middle and having just been in bondage. He's calling her that term of a princess. Not before, not after, but just right after, if you will, that she had been bound up and incarcerated after she had been made a captive to Babylon because again that is how the Lord viewed that nation that is how he saw her he saw her as a princess and though the book of Zechariah was written when the first generation of captives had already returned home from Babylon. There were still some more captives that were settled into their so-called prisoners. That's the reason why he says that I have sent forth some of your prisoners, but he's calling to some other prisoners that are still yet in bondage. Those that have not returned home upon the first opportunity to do so. There's still more prisoners that are as captives in Babylon and so he talks to those prisoners amen and here is the thing the terms hard for us to equate here in the scripture the question that begs answering is this how did the princess become a prisoner how did the princess become a prisoner and why is she a prisoner in a pit wherein is no water can someone say amen Solomon, the wisest man of the scripture of his time, of any generation for that matter, said in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 29, God hath made us upright, but we have sought out many inventions. What that means is this, humanity all by itself has ways of just messing up what God had proper in place and in order. He said, I made them upright, but they've sought out a lot of different inventions. Some of the inventions that Israel had sought out were this, they had made bad choices, they had made bad decisions, amen, decisions to abandon God, decisions to serve idols rather than God. Decisions to turn toward evil and turn away from good. Israel in many regards sought out her own way. She sought out her own path. She did what was pleasing unto her rather than what was pleasing unto the Lord. In so much that in the book of Jeremiah the spirit of the Lord comes and says to him for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken the fountain of living waters and they viewed them out cisterns Everybody say cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. He says these are the two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And they've hewed out cisterns that can hold no water. Fountains, fountains by themselves existed without any of the intervention of humanity, without the intervention of man. They were, if you will, God made and God designed. They were the handiwork of of God. But when you talk about a cistern, that's something quite different than a fountain. Cisterns were for the most part devised by humanity. They were the working of human hands. Fountains by their nature are pure. Fountains by their 
nature are without disease and without sickness. There's the purity that's in them just by nature. But cisterns made by the hands of men, they are the product. What you get from a cistern is a product of runoff water that grows along the surface of the ground. And so those cisterns are susceptible to contaminations. Dead animals, rats, other things can get in cisterns and die and it contaminates the water. And so you already see some of the contrast between a fountain that is pure and heaven made and a cistern that is man made and susceptible to contamination. He says leaving the fountain you've left me and you've created yourself a cistern. Amen. A cistern. He says when you did that what that spoke to me was this is that Israel believed that she could improve upon what I already had. I had a fountain of living water for her but she left the fountain to make by her own hands a cistern thinking that that was going to do her better than what the fountain could do her believing she could benefit from something of her own making and own hands more so than that which was by nature amen without impurity which was pure amen and steadily available and so when she left the fountain and made her own cistern she's bespeaking to me I can do better than what you've done Someone say amen. But the Bible tells us the moment that she created her cistern. He says you made yourself a broken cistern. In other words, its purpose was to hold water. Its purpose was to wet your thirst whenever you were thirsty. Its purpose was to benefit you and your family. But the moment you made your cistern, it was a broken cistern. It never held any water. It never could hold any water. From the first day that you made it, it was broken. And every day thereafter, it was broken. Can I tell somebody today? day that the decisions and the choices that Israel had made along their journey the very first day it was leaving the Lord and going other directions and ways she had hewn her out a cistern that could not benefit her that could not help her in her hour of need that could not hear her cry that could not come to her aid from day one it was a broken cistern someone say amen and a cistern that did not hold water was oftentimes used for a prison. Joseph was thrown into a pit. The Bible says in Genesis that the pit was empty. There was no water in it. That pit without water, that cistern without water was a prison to Joseph. Jeremiah, the Bible says, was let down into a dungeon where there was no water but mire. That dungeon without water was Jeremiah's prison. You could tonight call that cistern a pit. You could call that cistern a dungeon. But if it did not hold water, most likely it was used as a prison. And unlike Joseph and unlike Jeremiah, this princess was in a prison of her own making because that was her cistern that was broke from the beginning that now has become her imprisonment. The moment that she forsook the fountain of living water, she started to create her broken, insufficient cistern and she made her own prison. The day that she created her own cistern, can I tell you tonight, 
tonight that many of the prisons we find ourselves in are self-made cisterns that did not function like we intended them to function. No, 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 I guarantee you when they made this okay, I guarantee you whenever they made their own cistern, they didn't have any intention, amen, on that thing drying up. They didn't have any intention on that thing not being able to give them a drink when they wanted a drink, amen. It didn't function the way that they thought it should have functioned. And I say tonight that there may be some people in the church here even this evening that have stepped away just a little bit from the fountain of living water and you've went seeking for something that you thought was going to serve you well but you found out it's just a dry cistern it's not profiting me anything. it's not functioning the way I need it to function in our life can I tell you, there's been people that have left God, amen, not just by themselves, even with their families at times, thinking we can do better somewhere else. We can do ourselves better off going somewhere else. It'll benefit us better, our families better. But what they realize after it's all said and done is this, what they thought was better was something to incarcerate them, something to bind them, something to take them captive. Because many times we invest our resources and our time, and our attention. Sometimes, Brother Gregory, in choices and in decisions that we think we're in control of, but they end up controlling us. So the enemy of our soul is so subtle and he is so crafty that he doesn't want us simply in a prison. He wants us in a prison of our own making. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What better prison for him to have a person get in when they make it all by themselves? Oh, yeah. Prison of their own making. The Bible says, yet the voice of heaven comes. And it sounds very strong, though, now. Look at it. Sounds very strong in verse number 11. It says, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water again there's already been a number of them there's already been a group of them that have been released from the clutches of Babylon they'd already been released from their 70 years but God was telling the other prisoners God was telling the nation of Israel that he affectionately called the princess he says I sent her out of her prison I sent her out of her pit that could hold no water. This verse of scripture, you got to understand, this states it in the most perfect way that it could be stated. Amen. Because that terminology that I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit, I have sent forth, amen, is in the perfect tense in the Hebrew. In other words, he states it as though it has already happened. He states it as though it has already happened. In other words, the princess is a sent princess. She is a prisoner of hope because her deliverance was already supplied for her before she ever needed. I'm here to tell somebody tonight the Lord has sent you out of your prison that could hold no water and he's speaking to you tonight as though it's already done because he already provided for your deliverance before you even knew you ever needed your deliverance he has made you a prisoner of hope 
So I'm telling you, wherever you presently find yourself, no matter how deep the cistern is, no matter how dry the cistern is, you, sir, you, ma'am, are a prisoner of hope because he made a way before your feet ever hit the mire that was in that cistern. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. We supplied for her before she needed it. That's the reason why when we read in the scriptures that no sooner had Jeremiah seen the nation of Israel been placed in her bonds that he said was coming. This is what he says in the English Standard Version. He tells her, that nation, that princess, those prisoners, he tells them, there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. They've just been incarcerated. They've just been taken. They've just been taken out of their beloved home. And Jeremiah come from that place already. Say, listen, folks, there is hope for your future. What are you talking about? We've just been incarcerated. Uh, some of us are suffering already greatly. And yet he's saying there is hope. Why? Because he could see with the eye of God that God would provide deliverance before they ever needed deliverance. And he says, your children and you and yourself, you're going to be able to come back to your country because God's already got hope for you. God's already got hope for you. The reassuring words from Isaiah are these. Isaiah 42 and 7. I, the Lord, will. Everybody say will. Will bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. He says in the first chapter in verse 14, the captive shall soon be loosed and should not die in the pit. I like what Jeremiah is saying. He said, I'm going to bring them out, the Lord says. The Lord says they're sitting in darkness right now, but I'm going to loose them. They're not going to die there. Can I tell somebody tonight, you're not going to die where you're presently at. I know it feels like maybe every other day it feels like you're going to die there. That it is without hope. That there is no light at the end of the tunnel. That no matter how much you scratch at the sides, you'll never reach the top. But Isaiah said, in the middle of all of your darkened pit, he said, you're not going to die there. Because there was hope there before you got there. You have a prison mate called hope. You're a prisoner of hope. How how can these things be, Pastor McGee? How can the princess be sent forth from the prison when this prison is one that she has essentially made herself? How can these prisoners of hope materialize from that status into delivered? Prisoners. Note what verse 11 says in our text tonight. As for thee also by the blood, everybody say blood. For by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is 
no water. So the way that the prisoners of hope or the way that the prisoners can move to a status of delivered prisoners, the way that they are sent prisoners from that pit of, of darkness is by the blood of thy covenant. Years ago in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the scriptures, Genesis 15, the Bible talks about a covenant that was struck and made between God and Abram, the father of the faithful, the father of this nation that the Lord calls his treasure. In Genesis 15, there was a blood covenant that was made with Abraham and his descendants and his seed, Israel, the princess, if you will. It was struck by the blood of goats and the blood of rams and the blood of a turtle dove and a pigeon. The Bible talks about how these pieces were divided and Abraham and the lamp of the Lord walked among these pieces. It was a covenant that was being made between Abram and God. It was a blood covenant. Again, in Exodus 24, the Bible speaks, and we see this a lot of times in the Old Testament, but the Bible speaks that there were some animals that were slain and that the blood of those sacrifices, they were sprinkled upon the altar of God and then the same blood was sprinkled upon the people of Israel and God was making a connection between his altar and the people and it was a blood covenant God was holding himself if you will and his people to some things in that moment by his blood between his altar and between his people but little did anybody understand that those blood blood covenants of Genesis 15 and Exodus 24 that those blood covenants of yesteryear amen were in reality nothing more but something that was foreshadowing as Hebrew says they were a shadow of good things that were yet to come in Jesus Christ meaning this that the blood covenants of Genesis 15 between Abraham and God and the blood covenants of Exodus 24 between Israel and God were nothing more but a shadow something that was pointing ahead into the future about the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood covenants of the past may have helped Israel in her moment in Zechariah chapter number 9. But similarly, amen, a blood covenant in the future was going to help God's people. It would be the death of the Lamb of God. Amen, that would help the church of this modern age. You and I in our generation, it was a blood covenant that helped them in their pit. It was a blood covenant that helped those prisoners. But I'm here to tell you today that the blood still flows and there is a sacrifice of New Testament scripture that can help us that are in our prison and in our pit and he can send us forth just the same as prisoners of hope because of that blood covenant. Someone say amen. The blood covenant is how the Lord could speak to Abraham and tell him, I will bless you and make a great nation of you. And in you, that nation, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Why? Because of my blood covenant. Someone say amen. You don't have to be a Jew in order to have this blood covenant. Amen. 
This is not just those, amen, that descended, amen, from Abraham. This is for the church of the living God. This isn't a lamb that's in a flock, but this is a lamb that was hoisted on a tree. This isn't the blood of an animal that they agreed that probably was pure. This is the blood of the man Christ Jesus we know was pure. I'm talking about the fountain of the living water. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. That's going to help them. See, they chose the cistern, but when it's all said and done, it's still the fountain. That came to their aid, that called, amen, that answered to their beck and to their call. Can someone say amen? So I'm saying this evening then, brother, brother Gregory Howard, as I look into your eyes and the eyes of the other individuals that sit here tonight, I'm looking into the eyes of people that know what it's like to be in prisons of their own making, that know what it's like to seek out cisterns that could give them no aid. I'm talking to people tonight, though, they're likewise, although they may at once been labeled a prisoner, they were always a prisoner of hope. And that goes beyond the four walls of this assembly. That goes to everybody we rub a shoulder with, every eye we look into, every cashier that checks us out. You're looking into the eyes of a prisoner of hope. Wherever they find themselves, whatever path they have chosen, whatever cistern they have dug out that's serving no purpose, I want you to know when you look into their eyes, you're looking into a prisoner of hope. And God wants to send them out of their pit. He wants to send them out of their dismal life. He wants to send them out of their guilt and their shame and their despair. He wants to send them out of their crippled self-esteem. He wants us, why? How? By the blood of his covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. That is our job as the church to be a Jeremiah that heralds the call that says, I know you feel like a prisoner but you're a prisoner of hope, with hope. I know you feel like you're in this by yourself, but you're chained to hope. I know this was, as it would seem, the, 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 the session of events of, and the product of your own making, but there is still a fountain that flows. There's still even a blood fountain that flows. From Calvary, desiring to meet you where you are. Now look, Galatians 3 and verse 14. I'll hold you just for a little bit longer. A little bit. Everybody say a little bit. A little bit. Galatians 3, 14. The writer says, Paul to the church of Galatia, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Someone say, that's me. That the blessing, see this wasn't just regulated for the Jew now. He said that the blessing of Abraham, oh, the blood covenant of Abraham, oh, that was spoken to Father Abraham, might come upon the Gentiles. That's me. That's your neighbor. That's your lost neighbor. That's, that's the one that's a little cantankerous sometimes. That's to the lost one. Might come upon the Gentiles. How? Through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There is a world around us within the city, folks, that are in reality, if they could hear it, believe it, see it, and understand it, that they are sent princesses because the Prince of Peace has sent them. 
They are prisoners of hope, not of despair, not of impossibility, but prisoners of hope because the God of all hope has presented to them, every one of us, life through Jesus Christ. If you can stand with me tonight, I want to read just a few other verses of Scripture here as I come to a close this evening. Hallelujah. First Peter 1 and verse 18, I'll close with these verses here this evening. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Here it is now. But with the precious blood, here's the covenant, of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Look now, here it is. I have sent thee as though it was finished before you needed it. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But was manifest in these last times for you. You know what that means? The blood that was necessary was ordained before you got in your pit. But was manifested now because you are in your pit. The plan was put in place long ago, but it was enacted because you're in need of it right now. Hallelujah. But was manifest in these last times for you, verse 21, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith, look now, and hope might be in before Margaret Garrett ever walked through the church, a little church on Railroad Street, was it back then or Jackson Street? Jackson Street back then, the first church before she ever walked in. Scraping at the sides of her pit of sin and iniquity and gambling, right? All those things. She was a prisoner of hope then. The blood covenant had already put upon her freedom if you want it. Every single one of us that are sitting out here, we are tonight standing here, sitting here, whatever you may be. And you can say, once a prisoner, far from Jesus, I was perishing here below. But what happened? Somewhere along the way, I became anchored in Jesus. He's my hope. Because of his precious blood that was foreordained and manifest in my generation and time. He says, get on up out of there. Get on up out of there. Friend, it doesn't matter if you find yourselves in another prison along life's journey. And let me tell you, sometimes as Christians, there's times that we bear away and we forsake the fountain. We go hewing ourselves. We create things again that in no way possibility can advantage us. It's even in those moments, he's still saying, so remain, i got hope for you. If you'll just turn around, if you'll look in the right direction, hear the plea, whatever. i got hope for you. Can we bow our heads tonight? i got hope for you.
I believe like the Lord may be telling somebody in this place tonight where you are, where your feet maybe not physically are right now, but where they are in the sense of the, the dynamics in the realm of the spirit, where your feet presently are planted. He wants you to know that he has hope for you. He's provided a plan. He's provided a way before you ever got into this situation. There are some perhaps sitting here at the sound of my voice tonight that spiritually, spiritually, for months now, you have been in shambles. You have just been in shambles. Your spirituality and your level of relationship with God, amen, is not what it had been at one time in the past. You have, in some regards, have stepped away from the fountain. You, you, you're looking at a cistern that's been just totally unprofitable. You can't, you can't feel what you used to feel. You can't seem to touch, break through like you used to break through. God wants you to know that there is hope for you. He's already He's already put the hope in place before you ever needed it. He knew this day was coming. He knew you was going to need a time of refreshing. He knew you was going to need to be sent forth from that place of dryness and being parched, if you will, in a spiritual way. And He's calling you from your pit tonight. He's calling you from your pit. He's calling you back to the fountain that is pure. He's calling you to come close again to the water and to that place that will never run dry. He's calling you. He's calling you. The blood of his covenant has made it readily available. Amen. There may be others here tonight. Amen. That have gambled in their mind. Amen. With the with, with the, the mindset of just throwing in the towel and just saying, pooey on it all. Amen. Just saying, you know what? The wicked and all these other things seem to prosper. I'm just going to cash it all in and try that out for a while, sir, ma'am. He's sending you. He's sending you out of your pit tonight. He wants you to know that there is hope for you. The blood's been shed. There's hope for you. Don't be caught up in that mind game. Don't be caught up, if you will, in those lies and falsehoods that would speak into your ear. There is hope tonight. Amen. These are altars are open. Is there any prisoners of hope that are here tonight that would like to anchor themselves, tether themselves, tie themselves to that hope that's in the Lord? He gave it to you. He provided for it before you ever needed it. And maybe you're in need. There's no time. There's no problem right now calling out and say, God, I would like, I would like to call for what you've already ordained I'd like to call for what you already set in motion the plan you already made I need help tonight God I need help tonight God thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.